Hey guys, welcome back to Not Your Average BS, where we talk about what everybody else is thinking. I'm Brendy. And I'm Shannon. What's up, you all? Happy Monday. Hope that your 4th of July weekend went well. Hope everyone is staying as safe as possible and being mindful that in a lot of states, masks are being mandated. So, you know, do your part. Everybody wants to get back to quote unquote normal. So it's really all we have to say about that. Just like wear your mask, even if it's not mandated in your state. Take it serious because you don't know what other people are going through. You don't know their health issues. So it's very important. So beyond that, today we really wanted to do a fun, I don't know if fun is exactly the right word to use, but we had this, actually Brendy had this idea to do a Q&A all about allyship, advocacy, the Black Lives Matter movement. And so we went over to our Instagram page, keynote plug, If you're not following us on Instagram or in our Facebook group, we really encourage you to because this is where we post all of our updates about episodes and this is also where we pull questions from whenever we do Q&As. So Brendy had this really cool idea to do a twist on a Q&A all about the things that we've been talking about lately on the podcast and We've brought on a lot of amazing people who have plugged a lot of amazing resources for you, but we also just wanted to give people the opportunity to ask just us questions so you could get our perspective as well. So like I said, definitely follow us on all forms of social media so that the next time we do a Q&A, whether it's surrounding these topics or others, that you're able to put your input and hear our opinion, whether you want to or not. Jumping into today's episode, before we get into the questions, we did want to do a trending topic segment all about kind of what's happening in the country, especially with two high profile cases surrounding Breonna Taylor and Vanessa Guillen. So Brendan, did you want to break that down for us? Yes, let's jump right in. So before I even talk about Breonna Taylor's case, I just want to say the fact that all officers have not been fired or charged currently just shows a larger problem in the Black community that Black women aren't taking seriously, even though Black women are literally the backbone of the Black Lives Matter movement and the civil rights movement. Neither of these movements would be anything without Black women. And it's really just unfortunate to see that as much as we do for the community, we still aren't taken seriously. We still have several health disparities. There's just so many issues. And that could be a whole other episode too. So I won't get into it too much. But for Brianna Taylor's case, like I said, only one of the three officers has been arrested in her case. And it's just really unfortunate to see her case happened back in March. She was asleep in her home like everyone does every night and officers in plain clothes just busted in and her boyfriend was like, who's there? You know, what are you doing? Busting up in my house in the middle of the night. And he shot at them and then they literally lit her place up. It was it's it's so sad. That's literal self-defense. They were not wearing anything to signify that they were officers. It's it's just really sad, really unfortunate. But the FBI in Louisville says that this case is a top priority. That's a direct quote. So we'll see. I'll be watching and I'll be waiting. So we'll see if it's a top priority. Because I really want to know is what are we going to do to make sure 
this never happens again. What is the FBI Louisville? What is their police department going to do to make sure that a case like Breonna Taylor's never happens again? And I, I know that recently they did ban no knock warrants, but I think going back to what I like to say, that's bare minimum behavior. So I really am interested to see what's going to happen in the coming months. Like our other States, counties, police departments going to also ban no-knock warrants. I've, I know there's been a lot of memorials and things, which is great. There's going to be a memorial for her in Annapolis, Maryland, which is awesome. But as great as these murals are, it it just really drives home to the point that we still need action to be taken. Like it's it's really great that these murals are happening and points back to the cause. But at the same time, we're still waiting for legal and policy changes to happen. He legally had that firearm and second amendment goers, all of that kind of stuff, they preach self-defense. So you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, if you're a black person in America. Exactly. I want to know too. You, that's a good point. Where are all the second amendment standards? Cause I need this energy that y'all have for your gun rights in the NRA. Like where's that energy for Breonna Taylor's boyfriend? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to keep waiting for that one. And I feel like I haven't heard opposition in this case, which, you know, is good. Yay. Like Brandy said, very minimum behavior. But like we've hit home in multiple episodes, silence is compliance. So you're sitting here not saying anything. That's even more harmful. Second Amendment right people, this is your time to stand up and say this man legally obtained this firearm and was protecting his girlfriend in his own home. That's where you step up and that's where you step in. So where if you are an advocate of the Second Amendment, which I mean, a lot of people are, and that's perfectly fine. Do we need stricter gun laws in America? 100% absolutely. But if you are an avid Second Amendment right person, and especially if you are a white person, stand up and say something because you freak out if anyone chatters about taking away your guns and all of that kind of stuff. Stand up for what's right. This is your time to take a stance. So switching gears to Vanessa Guillen's case, this one has been extremely sad as well. That's happened recently. So if you live under a rock, Vanessa Guillen was a 20-year-old woman who was um, serving at Fort Hood in Texas. And she had actually been missing since late April. And this past week, her remains were actually found in a shallow grave not too far from Fort Hood Base. And just reading about this case has been so, so sad. And it really just highlights the fact that we have so many issues in our society. If we cannot protect the people who are supposed to protect us, literally, what are we doing? It's just it's so upsetting. So basically, just a rundown of the case, if you're not familiar with it at all, I'll leave a link down below to a few articles if you want to read more in detail about it. But essentially what happened was, like I said, she's been missing since late April. She was called into work on her day off, and she was actually... It, it came out this week that she was beaten with a hammer and she was dismembered with a machete. And right before she went missing, she was telling her family how she had been sexually harassed by another member on base. And she she was kind of reluctant to go to her superiors about it, which, again, just reinforces this, this idea that there's a problem in this culture if people don't feel comfortable reporting to their superiors about what they are experiencing, especially in the military, because the rates that they have of sexual harassment, rape are so terrible. So the man who did this 
actually killed himself, coward. And his girlfriend, who's also a suspect, is currently in jail. So she's been arrested and we'll kind of wait to see what happens with that. And she has been charged as well. I don't have the charges in front of me, but she has been charged. And it's just so, so sad to see this happen to a young woman. She's not much um, younger than Shannon and I. And it's just, it's really difficult to think about because, you know, you're you're going to to serve our country and you're supposed to be protected. You're supposed to be supported. And, and she wasn't. So what, what frustrates me is that people I feel like aren't talking. They like the case just doesn't add up. Like how was she just able to be murdered with no one hearing her, like no one questioning the blood. How was all of this able to be executed with no one saying a word until now? Like they're just now figuring out what's what's been happening. And they also, not to mention, found two other remains, two other bodily remains of other people near where they found Vanessa. So that to me says that there is a really alarming and concerning culture that is going on at this space specifically. So I really think that there needs to be a lot done here, and it's going to start with a congressional investigation. I saw that one of the House representatives, I'm going to look up her name really quickly, she's kind of leading the charge on this case, which is really great because this is something that does require federal attention, Um, and it's Representative Sylvia Garcia. So she is representing Congressional District 29 in Texas, and she's kind of heading up this investigation at the congressional level. And I'm really eager to see what comes out of this, because if this information is just happening on one base, I don't even want to think about what happens at all the other bases at places across the country. Are women being protected? Like, do they do they feel safe in their work environment? Like, it's just it's just really disgusting and really concerning. And my question, too, is that this happened on base correct like she was killed on base murdered on base yes in april which we were in we're still in the thick of it but we have been in the thick of covid for a while at that point nobody is traveling so and people on military bases if i am correct from like what i've heard and gathered like they haven't been allowed to like leave and then travel and come back to base because of everything that's going on so if there are many people on base like brendy said why didn't anybody hear her because you know she was screaming when she was being literally hit over the head body different areas of her body repeatedly with this hammer like i'm just sitting here like exactly what Brendy said. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And this all just sounds like, I know we're big for conspiracy theories on this podcast, but this just sounds like a mass cover up, you know, by multiple people in high ranking positions, which is very scary. And that's why we say over and over and over again, that these issues are systemic issues. It's not just one person. It's a whole entire system that needs to be addressed especially with sexual assault within the military because sexual assault affects both men and women and they're on both sides so afraid to go report because these people are their superiors, they're their commanding officers, they have so much power over them that they would rather literally live in this constant state of fear because they think they're gonna lose their job or be killed then report and get the help that they deserve and the help that they need. 
So like Brandy said, this is not a lot of things are adding up. So, you know, as this case progresses and as, you know, action is taken, we'll definitely update you all. And I think to drive home my last point on these two trending topics is that these are two essential workers. Breonna Taylor was an EMT. Vanessa Guillen served in his country. Stand up for what's right. You know, we want to talk about how we have so much pride in these public servants and the people who serve this country. Once again, stand up for what's right. It's that simple. It, it really is that simple. Two essential workers killed and they're in their 20s. The same people, both women of color, same, the same people who are listening to this podcast. I know, I know we have a wide span of like range of age people, but a lot of the people, whenever we look at the metrics and the analytics are in their twenties. So imagine, imagine that just let that sit for a second. These two women died for what reason? One was laying in her bed. One was going to serve her country on her day off. It's so, so sad. So if you guys want to also be a part of the change, if for some reason you're not informed about these cases, I'll leave links below in the show notes about the cases, petitions to sign, and action steps to take because both of these women deserve justice. And it's just ironic now that I'm thinking about it. Like we're recording this right before the 4th of July and these injustices keep happening. Like we're literally surrounded by injustice at this time. And I also, sorry to go off script here, Shannon, but earlier I was actually watching a video from Frederick Douglass's descendants and they were reading a speech that he gave to an abolitionist group back in, I want to say the 1860s-ish, around that, around that time. And they're just reading his words and to be surrounded by injustice and I'm not saying not to celebrate 4th of July. I'm not saying that by any means, like, but it's just really hard to do that when you're surrounded by people who are not free, people who are not independent, mass incarceration, police brutality, um, a woman getting murdered in her own home, a woman getting murdered at her workplace. Like, it's just really hard for me personally to take a step back and try to celebrate this country's independence when there are so many people who still do not have freedom, who are still not protected in this country. And I would say, and like Brandy said, we're recording this the day before the 4th of July. Tomorrow, and like Brandy said, we're not saying, you know, don't celebrate the 4th of July. But at the same time, what I was thinking was celebrate it in a way that moves this country forward. So donate to Black organizations fighting for the injustice in this country, buy from Black-owned businesses, sign petitions. That was one way that I thought that 4th of July could be celebrated this year in the midst of everything going on in this country, all of the injustice, all of the murders and whatnot. So I don't know. That's just my two-piece um, because like Brandy said, it just feels really eerie. And especially, you know, in 2020 when people still are not free. And she's very correct whenever she says that. Because they're not. There are kids in cages. There are people being murdered just for laying in their bed. So I would say that, you know, on the 4th of July, granted, this episode is going up on Monday after it. But moving forward, I think that 
a better way to celebrate instead of going into large chain grocery stores and buying beer and hot dogs and setting off fireworks would be to find different ways that you can support the black community so that we can move forward and people can actually be free. So with that being said, let's get into today's questions. So you guys asked us some really good questions. Mm -hmm. I think this will be a really good conversation today. So first question is, what is the best way to learn about Black Lives Matter if you're international? So Black Lives Matter is an international organization. Like we talked about with Davi, I know sometimes it's confusing because Black Lives Matter is both an organization and a movement, but the organization also has chapters across the world. So I would say to first see if your country or your area has a Black Lives Matter chapter. But even if they don't, I can almost guarantee that if you live in any major city, there's some kind of of group or organization that's fighting injustice, I would check on Facebook because that's sometimes where I find like a lot of information, check Facebook events, see if there's any protests going on near you, or even just get connected with those local groups. In Greensboro, there's a group called Greensboro Rising. They helped organize a protest that I went to a few weeks ago. They're really helping to make a change in our city. So it's definitely those local groups that you're gonna wanna look for. And if there's literally not anyone that you can find that is doing a protest or that is trying to make change in your community, just do it yourself, you know, just find a couple friends to help you out with the logistics and planning and figuring things out. And you guys can, you don't have to wait for anyone. You can kind of just be the change in your own community. And I would say that if beyond getting involved, if you're looking for that learning and that educational piece about Black Lives Matter, this is where the power of social media is really amazing because all you have to do if you have a phone and if you have, you know, Instagram or Twitter, literally go to like the tags page and type in hashtag BLM. You will see thousands, probably millions at this point of posts regarding Black Lives Matter, a lot of that being educational. So I would say that if you do not, if your city in whichever country you live in doesn't seem to have that presence of a Black Lives Matter chapter, definitely try just searching, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that way you can learn more about it. And then I'm sure that you could even narrow it down to because hashtags are so specific, you could probably say, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter Denmark, hashtag BLM Dublin, hashtag BLM Paris, I don't know, like, all, I'm trying to think of like all these like European countries that I wish I was in right now, instead of being in the US, because we're currently on lockdown once again. So I would say that that learning and that educational piece, if you're wanting to get connected to people is more so just about you typing it into, you know, Google and whatnot. Like we said, Google is free. So that can be your best friend whenever you are learning and trying to educate yourself on both the movement as well as the organization. That's a good answer. Really helpful. And I mean, the power of social media to like these days is really amazing for people getting connected because even thinking back to like the civil rights movement, they didn't have social media and they were kind of limited to those key figureheads, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. and those kinds of people. But now like you can literally go out and start a protest. Like you can do anything in your community. And the first place that I would start too before you, because I think that the issue at hand is that whenever you get onto social media, you, you experience this fatigue, 
We talked about it in last week's episode, which people are so tired. People are so overwhelmed. But I think that a great place to start would actually be to learn about the three founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, three incredibly powerful women. So I would say that, and we can leave all of their information as, ooh, we can leave all of their information below and, you know, where this movement started and came from and who they are as people, um, because I think that's a really great starting point as well. It, you know, it's great to, you know, learn about all of these protests and all of these different things that you can do to move forward. But I think it starts with also learning who started the movement and the organization as well. So moving on to our next question, we have a lot of good ones. Wow, this is actually really good. So thoughts on people who are not vocal about Black Lives Matter on social media? Um, I, I go back and forth with this because I think there's two ends of the spectrum. I think that people think that they have to have tens and thousands of followers in order to have a quote unquote influence over other people and that those people can do the work and that those people can push out all of this content. But the fact of the matter is, is that I have less than a thousand followers on Instagram. So shameless plug, if you want to follow me, I have less than a thousand followers on Instagram and I'm on my story and posting every single day things that I could, things that I think could help other people take action and then also educate themselves, especially being that a large majority of my following is white, because that's where it starts. It starts with white people owning up to, you know, all of the things that they have done to set this country back 400 years ago, basically. So I would say that stop letting yourself think that just because you don't have a large following doesn't mean that you don't have the responsibility to sit there and use your following for good. And then on the other end of the spectrum with that, I, to a certain extent, understand if you don't have social media, maybe if this person was just talking about people who have social media, like I, maybe I'm, I don't really know where I'm going with this answer, but like, I know a lot of people who have Instagram accounts, but post like once a year, you know what I mean? So to the person who only posts once a year, this year, your post can be about Black Lives Matter. This year, that <laughs> one post that you push out can be about something that's important and not just a yearly update about your relationship or your dog or wherever you're traveling <laughs> to. So I would say that if you don't like actively use social media, then like, I'm not saying that it's good or it's bad because I think that in today's age, we all have an influence over people, whether you're a college student, you're working a nine to five, or you are some sort of content creator. So I don't know. I, it's a really good question because like, I'm, I don't know. Brandy, do you have something like, do you want to add? Because I, I get, I think you know where I'm going. Like, it's like, I understand, mm -hmm. like, if you're not like, I'm on social media every single day. So for me to not sit there and use my platform for this would just feel disingenuous to be like, Oh, here's the picture of like, I don't know, today's breakfast and then like just ignoring like what's going on in this country. But like, if you don't actively use social media, it's not that I understand. It's kind of just like, then if you don't actively use social media, you need to find another way to get involved. 
Mm-hmm. No, I get what you're saying. And that's, I kind of look at it in, in two ways as well. One thing that Daviana said when she came on the podcast was that she kind of looks at it based on people's social media use. So yeah, if you know, you're if you're someone like Shannon or me, where you're on Instagram literally every day, posting something on your Instagram stories probably every day, then yeah, I'm gonna expect you to say something about Black Lives Matter. But if you're someone who's more of just like, you're you only post like once or twice a year, like you don't you're not a very active user, then I'm I don't really expect anything from you because I know that you're not there on a regular basis anyway. And two, it kind of I don't know. So it kind of frustrates me because and I've talked about this with my sister, like kind of when everything first started happening a few weeks ago after George Floyd's death, like it really, it really causes you to take a deep look at your friendships and the people that you have in your life. Because if you're someone that's one of my close friends and you haven't said anything that then that does not sit well with me. Like that rubs me completely the wrong way because I'm like, okay, so how can you be for black culture, you know, you love my music, you love my hair, you you love like our fashion trends, like you love all of this about black culture, but you can't pull up when it matters. And that's when I really have an issue because that just doesn't sit well with me. And then also too, I know Shannon and I have talked like offline about this, so I'll try to keep it short because I, y'all know we can go off on social media influencers for days. I don't know why, but that is the one thing we always go back to is social media influencers. And if you want more on that, go back to episode three if you're new here. But social media influencers, when it comes to Black Lives Matter and what's happening right now, there was one influencer in particular that Shannon and I really, really liked and really, really respected and, you know, really enjoyed her content. But when it came time to post about Black Lives Matter, she thought she could do just like a couple little Instagram stories here and there and then get aggressive when people called her out on it and then continue posting on YouTube like people weren't dying in the streets. So then I just did a quick unsubscribe, Mm -hmm. unfollow and everything was good because again, you can't be for the black culture. You can't be doing all these things and then not show up when it matters, especially if you have a platform, you have a responsibility. If you're claiming to be progressive and you're super educated, but you can't post when it matters, then that's an issue and you don't deserve my follow or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I know. I totally agree. So I would definitely say that in terms of, and if you don't know what to post it's as simple as following our social media account on Instagram at not your average BS. We've post so many things in terms of like reposting things on our story to direct you to different places that you can donate or different ways that you can educate yourself as well as our own content that we have created. We have created a list of black owned businesses that you can shop from anywhere. Like all of the websites and whatnot are linked and stuff like that. We have, you know, different dialogues on our feed where it kind of gets you to ponder your own whiteness and how, you know, you can be an ally and an advocate in this movement. And then it's even as simple as repost like I'm not trying to like plug ourselves right here, even though I definitely am, but like reposting a simple episode picture from our page of whenever we talk to Davi about our Black Lives Matter episode, about our latest episode with Monty Taj, like you reposting that and somebody catching wind of it and going to Spotify or Apple Podcasts to listen, you just did something good right there. You know what I mean? Like even just directing one person, you're doing good. 
we're like we're not out here saying like you need to reach the masses even though that's amazing but like brandy said if you're a social media influencer and you have that big of following like imagine what you could do with your following if one person who has less than a thousand followers is spending their day seeking out content to post on their story to get people to learn and educate themselves imagine what a social media influencer with 500,000 followers can do. So I, I guess to answer, you know, that question, we kind of wrapped it up with, you know, kind of like a double-sided two ends of the spectrum type of deal. But I would say that if you're active on social media, definitely just do your part because social media can be used for great things and we can see great change through it. So you definitely want to be on the right side of things when it comes to that. And no one's saying like, go on Instagram live and do a 25 minute talk. Like literally nobody is saying that just post things to your story, post things on your feed, direct people to black business. It's as simple as that. It literally takes 10 seconds. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, not to plug ourselves, but like we do post a lot of good good resources on our personal accounts too. So we'll leave our own Instagrams linked down below if you guys want to seek that out too. And Shannon, when you were talking, that actually gave me a really good idea. I definitely think it'd be, it would be cool if people were interested for us to do like a live like Instagram video or something like that, where we could just like talk through like resources, mm -hmm. talk about talk through people's questions, like anything that's like going on right now. I think that'd be really cool. I might let you handle that because I feel like I'd be awkward on live. I'd be like, hey. I'm screaming. Hey. No, you would not. If we did it together, we can literally like, you know, do the little split screen thing and just be chopping it up like we do right here. So I'd be sitting there, I'd be like, hey. How y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm weak. Not hey, how y'all doing. I'm weak. Okay. We need to move to the next question. Okay. So – Next question is, what are three things you would say to someone who is trying to be a better ally? I think this is a really good question. The first thing that I would say is to listen. I think there is so much that can be just understood better by like listening and not listening to respond, just simply listening to understand because you're really not going to get some there's like really no better way to under, understand someone's lived experiences if you literally just like sit down and listen to them and after you're done listening to them I think you can move to learning so that's learning your own implicit biases that's seeking out other resources that's you know listening to podcasts reading really good books things like that and then I think once you're once you've got a firm foundation on learning, I think you can kind of move into educating others. So listen, learn, and then educate. I think those are three really great ways to kind of be a better ally. And it's, it needs to be in that order as well, because you're not going to be able to fully understand what you're reading unless you have pro previously had and listened to someone else's lived experience in the same way. You're not going to be able to educate others unless you have educated yourself through learning and then listen to someone else. And to add one more thing onto that, because honestly, I would say that those would be like to follow suit. I think those three things are a great place to start. And then maybe as we continue these Q&As and as this conversation continues, we can add to that list. But just as a starting point, I would take Brendy's three things, but also the last thing that I would like to add. So I guess I have like one thing out of three is to understand your defensiveness. So if somebody says something and your immediate reaction is to jolt up and say, oh, no, 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 like that's that's not what I meant. 
understand that that's you being defensive and kind of dive deep into why are you being defensive? Brendy and I literally just had such a good conversation this past week about traveling while black in America and something wasn't clicking for me, like personally, like we're getting real right now. Like I, Brendy had said something to me and I was just like, well, yeah, like I understand, but in actuality, I wasn't, I wasn't understanding it. And I, it's not necessarily, I mean, in my opinion, and Brendy could say, you know, different. I think that in that moment I got defensive because it felt like not necessarily that I was like under attack. Like that's not what it felt at all, but I was kind of just like, wait, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, wait, I don't have it all right. Like I, I thought that I was right. All of that kind of stuff. So I think that I would say that to be an ally is to understand where is that defensiveness coming from? Because, you know, you can say that you're quote unquote woke and you can say that you're for the movement and you can say that you're progressive, but it's moments like that when you find yourself being defensive, are you actually those three things? Because that right there, you know, underneath it all, that's still feeding that little voice inside of your head and you're not being an ally in that moment. Instead, you're worried about how like you as a white person, I'm speaking like for myself right now, like how you're being perceived. And that's not the point of this movement movement. And that's not the point of this conversation. So I would say that the last thing that I would have to add is whenever you are being an ally in everyday conversation, even with Brendan and I are best friends and I got defensive, like just being real, you know what I mean? Like, cause it can happen with anybody. It can happen with your best friend, somebody in your family or a random Joe Schmo on the street. So I, I think understanding and after the fact too, like, I feel like after that conversation that we had, where we kind of like, you had class and then like I went and like did my own thing and Brendy came and was like, what were you trying to explain earlier? And I was just like, nothing. I'm going to work on understanding what it means to travel while black in America, because that's not my experience. It never has been and it never will be. And so I think that when you let down the walls of your defensiveness, growth really happens. And I think that for me, I'm a very defensive person by nature. I have always been that way. Literally ask anybody. I get defensive about anything. Like you could be like, oh, why'd you choose white shoes today? And I'd be like, why does it matter? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I have always been a very defensive person. And that has definitely been something I have been working on in all areas of my life, but especially about this. Because when you get defensive, that's when the conversation stops. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to like go off on like a tangent about our no, conversation. No. no, you're good. You're good. I think that just shows people like the reality of, of what it is. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that was good. So moving on to our next question. What is this? Number four? Okay. So yeah. what is the most helpful resource? Ooh. What is the most helpful resource slash book that you have found in reference to Black Lives Matter and Black history? So the first book I'll say, I mean, I could literally give you guys a whole list. Like, do you want a book? Do you want a movie? Do you want a documentary? Ooh, like, what do you want, baby? Yes, I queen. got you. Yes, queen. <laughs> So the first thing I'd say is The New Jim Crow. I'm actually reading it right now. And let me tell you, because I didn't realize, it is a dense with a capital D book. It is a dense book. 
But I, when I tell you that every sentence makes me think, like I'm taking notes, like I'm highlighting things in the book. There's so many just insightful things in this book. Like it is incredible. So I'm still at the at the beginning, like I'm not that far into it yet, but that's because it's just so insightful. Like I literally am learning so much on every single page. So I would encourage everyone to read it. It's by Michelle Alexander. It's an excellent book. And it talks about the prison industrial complex, kind of how we got here and kind of what, th and this book was written in, I believe, or it pu was published in 2010. And so in the one I have, it was either 2009 or 2010 around that time, but she basically did like a foreword that was kind of like 10 years later and where we are now. And it was just, it's just so insightful. It, it really causes you to think. And there's so many things about the prison industrial complex and kind of the history behind it that I really never realized. So it's really incredible. I recommend it to anyone. Another thing I'll say is the documentary 13th was just and astounding. And it was incredible. I watched it like as soon as it came out because Ava created it and literally anything she does, I watch. She also created When They See Us. But as soon as 13th came out, it was just, it was just, it was so, so good. Like I can't even describe in words how great it was. It was also about the prison industrial complex and kind of how it's legal in this country because the 13th Amendment abolishes slavery unless it's punishment for a crime. So we have modern day slavery going on in mass incarceration right now where black and brown bodies are incarcerated at an astounding rate in comparison to other countries. And we just incarcerate more people than any other developed country in the world. And it's just, it's insane to think about. We, so the United States, it's so crazy because I was listening to this on my way home, which I'm going to get into this podcast a little bit later as a resource, but the United States makes up for 25% of the world's, the entire world's prison system. We spend billions, with a B, billions of dollars incarcerating people, throwing away the key. A lot of, and I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here and saying like, obviously there are definitely people in prison who deserve to be there. It's locked evidence, DNA, whatever, all of that kind of stuff. But there are so many people in prison for so many things that are just wrong. And that could honestly be an entirely different podcast. But to and to that point with the prison system as well, this podcast also touched on the fact that it cost in the state of California, this is the state of California that they were talking about. It cost the state of California $80,000 a year to incarcerate one person, one adult. And that number jumps whenever they incarcerate a child into whether that be they, they try and convict them as an adult or if it's in there in like some sort of like juvenile detention center system sort of deal that number jumps exponentially so think about that 25 percent of the world prison population system we control eighty thousand dollars to incarcerate one person and that probably has to go to like taxpayer dollars or something so like the, and this is the state of California, obviously. So, like, people, if you live in California, like, your taxes are going to this. Mm -hmm. Is that how you want to spend your money? There has to be a different way. Sorry to, like, cut you, if I cut you off, but, like, there has to be a different way. 
Another thing too that's so fascinating about the new Jim Crow that I've been reading so far is when pe- I feel like when people think about prison and mass incarceration, and again, this can be if you want us to talk about this as a whole episode, love to do it. But people really just think about, you know, okay, people s- spend their time, you know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time, whatever. Then people do their time and they get out and they're not able to get a job. They're not able to vote for seven years. And we consistently otherize this population of people who has been incarcerated, oftentimes for very petty crimes, such as marijuana possession, things like that. People are spending their life in prison because of weed that has now been legalized in like so many states. It's it's astonishing. We have to do a full episode about the prison industrial complex and everything that's just going on because it's once I finish this book and I'll rewatch 13th again before we do it, but it's just really eye-opening and really concerning because why well, I, I know that in Florida they've allowed they did pass something where I think around 1.4 million people are now able to vote after their incarceration, but like that's just one state. Like People are not able to vote for seven years after and like, who came up with being that incarcerated. Who- right. Because it, I'm sure it's strategic in some way, because think about it. There's a presidential election every four years and then congressional and Senate either every two to four years. So you're missing out on quite a few elections, not even to mention the state and local. So your your voice is taken from you. I would say that my resources, I have, I've mentioned a couple of books on here already. I talked about white fragility in our Black Lives Matter episode. So we'll link out to that where you can buy it. I wanted to hit on more so kind of social media that you can consume and then a different way to think about a resource. So my first resource that I wanted to talk about is an Instagram account called So You Want to Talk About. This has been so transformative for me in learning so many different facets of both what is going on in this country currently slash has been going on for 400 plus years, but also so many different facets of intersectionality within these conversations, Um, talking about environmental justice, talking about sexual harassment, talking about so many things. We'll link it out, but it's basically, and I don't know, Because I know that a lot of people don't want to read a book and they don't want to sit down and watch, you know, an hour and a half long documentary. That's fine if you don't have, you know, the attention span um, to do that. But this short form content, this content creator puts out these really informational graphics full of different information. That's all back. She or they I actually don't even know who runs the account, to be perfectly honest. But this account has been, I don't want to like, it really has been a wake up call in terms of you think you know things about so many things and then you read stuff like this and you're like, wow, I haven't ever thought about it like that before. Once again, going back to the prison system for years, you know, I watched Law and Order, all of those good kind of shows. I was just like, oh, only bad people go to prison. And then that's where they, that's what they deserve. That thought right there is so destructive. And then I, I mean, not, I started to learn about it a little bit before, like I followed this account, but just learning how many people are, you know, falsely accused, put in a prison with zero to little evidence, all of that kind of stuff. So this really takes a stab at 
so many different facets of social justice and has really amped up the content surrounding Black Lives Matter. So I would definitely say to follow them if you're somebody who just likes to like swipe on through. It's literally, it'll be like four slides just explaining stuff. And then there's a dialogue in the comments of people who, you know, want to talk about it and ask more questions. So this content creator does a really, really good job of addressing so many different niche topics. And then my other resource is listening to the experience of Black people, your Black friends. Listen to them. They have stuff they want to say. Sit down, shut up, be quiet, listen and learn about what it's like to be a Black person in America. That doesn't take anything. That doesn't take money. That doesn't take you getting on your phone. That's you sitting down in your backyard having a conversation if that person is comfortable talking about their experience because you definitely want to mentally check in with that person before you're just like so what is it like to be black in america because that can be I'm weak <laughs> that can be a loaded question you know what i mean so definitely you want to check in and make sure that that person is willing to talk about that experience and if they are sit down and take notes use you can use them as your resource into learning what it's like to step into their shoes and then one thing that we wanted to talk about following the So You Want to Talk About Instagram account is that we really wanted to introduce like a mini series on this podcast and we would really love your feedback on this. So we really want to do mini episodes on Wednesdays called Wake Up Wednesday, where we also talk about in podcast form, different facets of intersectionality within this movement and within different facets of social justice and how they, you know, intersect and how people can get involved and really just be educated. We would try to keep it at, you know, like, let's say 25 to 30 minutes where we just kind of bring you everything that we're learning about right now and, you know, the facts truly the facts of what's happening in this country, what has happened, why things are the way that they are, because like Brandy um, brought up the prison industrial, wait, what is it called? Prison industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just want, I about said it like all backwards, but bringing that up because those are things that people never learned about in school. And if you did, like a lot, like I said, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, you are in your 20s. So high school was a while ago. Okay? High school was a while ago. So even if you did learn about it, you probably haven't touched that. That was probably a chapter in a history book that you were tested on to make sure that you remembered and retained it. And then as soon as that chapter was over, you left and said peace out and never cared about it again. So definitely let us know what types of topics you want us to talk about because we want to get like super specific and super niche on these. We really want to bring you things that you're interested in learning about because we talk about what everybody else is thinking. So if you have that thought, let us know. We'll be the ones to talk about it if you don't want to yet. Because after we're done with that podcast, baby girl, you're going to get on to social media and you're going to gas it up. Yes, ma'am. So I would, <laughs> so I, we really wanted to bring that up here and maybe we can do, you know, like a more in-depth episode on the structure of that and like what our like total plan is because we really just came up with this it, this week to be truthfully honest. But Brandy, did you have anything else to add about in terms of Wake Up Wednesday and what we want to do with that mini series or? 
I mean, I just think it's exciting and kind of like you were saying about the So You Want to Talk About Instagram account, how it's just kind of easier to digest that information and people lay it out for you. I mean, typically our average Monday episodes are anywhere between like 45 minutes to like a little over an hour. And we're really going to try to keep these more like Wake Up Wednesday episodes within the like 20 to 30 minute range. So like you can literally listen to that while you're cooking dinner, while you're getting ready in the morning. Like it's just going to be easier for you to kind of access this relevant, important information. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then also we will still definitely have our Monday episode where we bring on guests and talk about different things still surrounding this, but also integrating content per usual, our goofy FaceTime rant type of deals, as well as bringing on people who we really want you all to get to know and get to hear their story. So we're really looking forward to that. Moving on to our next question, top educational podcast, podcast episodes that you've listened to. Y'all know I love Pod Save the People. Like it was literally the first podcast I ever started listening to. And it's so informative. They have, I mean, they've been on the air for a few years now. So they have probably episodes on any topic that you want or like anything that you want to learn about. Every time I listen to an episode episode of Pod Save the People, I learn something new. So definitely listen to that. Don Lemon also just started a podcast. It's called Silence is Violence. And I just want to give Don Lemon a shout out for his evolution over the years because Don Lemon of 2010 would not have been having a podcast called Silence is Violence. So I'm just going to give him a few claps because I respect him for that, for that growth. We love to see it. So that one's really good. It only has three episodes out right now, but they're shorter. So like, just go ahead and listen to them. And then the last one is 1619 by the New York Times. They also have kind of like the like blog or stories what that's kind of um, connected to this. I haven't gotten through that yet. But 1619 is basically about the first ship of slaves that came to America and came to Virginia specifically in 1619 with around 20 African slaves. And kind of that's the start of chattel slavery in the United States. So it kind of is going through that. I've only listened or I'm still in the first episode, actually. But it kind of talks about like democracy, like back when the Declaration of Independence was was written. And I think it's really timely right now to, to listen to that, especially since the 4th of July is happening. And so yeah, it just talks about like the democracy, kind of how chattel slavery happened and leads us to where we are now. So it's really informative. And I would definitely recommend for you guys to listen. So piggybacking off of Brendy with the New York Times, I listen to the daily on the daily, like the daily is you know, anywhere from like 25 to 35 minutes. It's basically like the news essentially in podcast form with Michael Bavaro. His voice is so soothing, but they talk about so many different important things. And I think that if you get, if you're like me and you get overwhelmed by watching the news because it's just so divisive these days and so aggressive and how people like talk to one another and everything. This is a really good way to consume content and be like, okay, like these are the actual facts in a way that makes sense to me. And then at the end of the episode, it always tells you like, you know, what's next and all of that kind of stuff. So they put out episodes daily. It's a great way to learn about what is going on in this country. I mean, they break down so many different important things. So I would definitely direct you to them. I'm also a big Pod Save the People proponent. Brandy put me on at the beginning of the year, or actually 
whenever the primaries were happening in North Carolina, that's when Brendy directed me towards them to learn more about the candidates that were running. Um, so definitely would say, you know, echo that. And then my last one is called The Dissenters, which is actually a new podcast out of the Dear Media production studio or Dear Media Podcast Network, rather, sorry. But it is hosted by two women. I One of them is from a really popular show, Deborah Messing. And then the other woman who is also on it co-founded an organization all about voting and being registered to vote and being an informed voter. So they have brought on so many different people. It literally just started. I believe that it's going to be like a 20 episode series. And the dissenters came from Ruth Bader Ginsburg's, you know, famous kind of quote and mantra that everybody can be a dissenter and that everybody can be, you know, for change, for good. So I really just love the name of the podcast, the mission behind it, and then the people that they're bringing on. So in terms of hearing, I'm like a big inspirational story person. So whenever they bring these people on, I'm like in my car on my way to work, like just sobbing, like, I like literally am like, oh my God, like this is insane. <laughs> but yeah, I would say that those, um, the daily, the dissenters, and then to echo Brandy, definitely pod save the people. And the last question of today. So this one was more so directed towards Shannon. So I'm going to let her kind of take the lead on this, but I do have a couple comments. But have any of your family or friends made racist remarks? What was your response then versus now? No. <sighs> Never. I live in a perfect world. I'm screaming. World. No. Why do you sound like Mary Poppins? I'm screaming. <laughs> I love Mary Poppins. Um, still do. Yes. Point blank period. 100%. Absolutely. I come from, specifically talking about my family, I come from a long line of family members who have dedicated their lives to public service, whether that being nurses, firefighters, policemen. That is something that they are proud of. That is something that I am proud of. However, because of this, I feel like they have felt like it's okay to say things that are wrong, to hold ideologies that are wrong and that are racist and that are just flat out not okay. Racist remarks and stereotyping and even just like to... It didn't even ever have to be like a blatant racist remark, but just something that was just like, like that's not really okay to say always have rubbed me the wrong way from a very young age which and always made me uncomfortable which it should make everybody uncomfortable everybody should be uncomfortable when their family member or their friend says something that is racist you should be so uncomfortable that you are you're you want to throw up that's how uncomfortable you should be whenever you hear something like that. And when I was younger, and I don't mean when I was younger as in like, oh, when I was six or seven. I mean, I'm just like, I'm saying when I was younger all the way up into like 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, I'm 23 now. I didn't speak up. You know, I just sat there because those are your elders and, you know, you respect them. And I didn't say anything because I thought that they would be mad at me. Or I didn't say something because I feared they would think that I was against their job, which is not the case. You know, my family was on, you know, ground zero and 9-11, all of that kind of stuff. 
but that doesn't make it okay. Just because people have, you know, served this country and people have dedicated their lives to public service, doesn't, they don't get a pass to be racist. And I think that for so long, I never said anything because I was like, oh, they, they think that I'm going to like, you know, I, I, I hate what they do. And so as I've gotten older and have become so much more aware and more educated and realized that letting it slide is way more harmful than it is of anything else, I definitely say something now. And going back to our earlier conversation about de being defensive, I think that this is where I have grown so much in terms of maturity because, you know, even like two or three years ago, I would get angry like yelling, screaming, crying, my sister and I fighting matches so ugly that we talked about, you know, like, oh, you know, we're leaving for the night. And I think today in growing up and becoming more mature, instead of which you should get angry, you should, you should still be angry. I have approached it in a way that makes sense for me and for my family and say, hey, like, what you said isn't okay, here's why. Or can you explain to me where you, where you got that thought from? Or can we, you know, unpack that so I can understand what you're saying? So I would say that the difference between back then, it's almost like it happened in three stages. It was like, actually four, four. I was young, dumb, stupid, and lived in a world where it was just like, oh no, like everything is great. That could never happen to people. You know, that was like when I lived in New York and then when I moved to North Carolina, I was like, racism? What? That's not a thing. And then it was, went to, you know, went through high school. And like I've said before on this podcast, I went to a more diverse school within my county, which still is saying not really saying much to be perfectly honest had a pretty diverse group of friends and then to speak to the friends remark yes but not as much as my family because with my friends we always called each other out whenever we thought something was wrong you know we would always be like yo not cool like you know what i mean um and more could be done on that like saying not cool is not enough and then I reached the third stage where I would get angry when I, when I would hear people make these remarks and I would do, I don't want to say more harm than good, but I didn't really get anywhere because instead of opening it up to a conversation, it was you're wrong, I'm right, and that's it. There, that's end of discussion. And now I feel like I have moved into the stage of my life where I'm so focused on the end goal I'm so focused on where this country and where our generation can go that instead of being angry, I just want to understand. I want to understand your experience so that I can say just because that's your experience doesn't mean that's everybody else's. And your experience, you don't even you, like... I guess to, you know, wrap this all up in one sentence, the growth that I have, you know, seen in myself in terms of when it comes to combating those injustices within my own home has been transformative for me because I'm like, if I can do it in my home, I can do it anywhere. 
And if I can have a civil conversation in my home, I can have a civil conversation anywhere. And I think that's where progress happens. And I'm not saying that things are perfect and whatnot, but I would say that, you know, a few years ago, Shannon, and today, Shannon, how she approaches that is way different. And, you know, who knows if that's good or if that's bad, but I would say that to sit here and say like, oh no, like my family's never made a racist remark. That would be me lying and being disingenuous to the people who listen to this podcast. Because the thing is, is that it starts in your own home. You know, of course you want to confront the Karen in Paris Teeter, who's being an outwards racist white supremacist, but it also starts with your siblings or with your parents or with whoever you listen to or not listen to whoever you live with. Sorry. (laughs) You're good. And I think that that really covers it really well. The only thing I was going to say is that I I mean, obviously I can't really speak to this question because I'm not white. So I don't really have any experiences with like my family making racist remarks or like friends directly making racist remarks. I feel like I've heard more like, insensitive like I would say racially insensitive and racist are two different things and a lot of people are racially insensitive and so when I hear things like that I mean if you don't know me in real life it this might be hard to believe but I'm quick to pop off on someone and I'm quick to let someone know when they're incorrect so I feel like and I've just always been that way since I was little and I do remember like a few times when I was at Campbell, like one of my friends may have said something. I'd remember one instance specifically where one of my white friends said that I talked so white or that I sounded white or something along those lines. And I, <laughs> oh my gosh, sometimes when I get mad, I don't know if y'all have this, but like, do you ever have an out of body experience when you're angry? Like you, you, you see yourself popping off saying these words but you're watching it happen in your mind you're like I don't know who that girl is that's usually me when I get mad so I remember like this instance where he said this and I like I turned around so quickly and I was like why would you ever say that to me why do you think that's acceptable that is so racist don't ever talk to me that way and like I just went off because I'm not okay with people talking to me that way. And granted, in hindsight, should I have taken the time to explain? Yes, but it's not my job to explain things to you. No. So go to Google because it's free. <laughs> and I would say too, in terms of the, this is such a good question. And I really like that it said like family or friends, because the thing is, is that you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And so Period. when it comes to, you know, friendship, If your friend is making racially insensitive comments, if they are being racist, I think that it's really time to take hold and ask yourself, why is this person in my life? Because that's not okay. First, of course, you want to, you know, educate them and say why it is wrong. But in terms of, you know, the family versus friends thing, family, I mean, some people do choose to leave their family and, you know, cut ties with them, which that's your experience, that's perfectly fine. If that is what is best for you. But in terms of friendships, as soon as you hear your friends say something, you should definitely stop them in their tracks and say, hey, like I said in high school, not cool. And then when now that I have the like mental capacity to understand that you have to go beyond saying not cool, explain to them, you know, like why it's wrong and whatnot. And if they are combatant towards that, or if they don't want to get with it, and especially like 
if they're being like, if they're just being racist in general, that's awful. But if they're being racist within your own friend group, why would you want them in your friend group to begin with? So I would say to sum it all up in this last question, which we really appreciated this question because it's one thing to sit here and give you all resources and say, do X, Y, and Z. But I think that showing you all who we are and our missteps, and especially this is honestly me speaking, you know, where I've messed up as a white person, where I haven't done anything, where I've been compliant, that just goes to show number one, how much you grow over time, but also that this podcast is dedicated to being genuine and authentic and sharing real life experience and not just saying, we know it all and let's sprinkle a couple of things on top to make you think that we have it all together because we definitely don't. I would say the last thing in thinking about this question, this just came to me as Shannon was wrapping up, but I saw a TikTok this week that was kind of like, when someone says something to you that's like uncomfortable or unacceptable, and our friend Brie actually talked about this in class before, shout out to you, girly. But when someone says something that's like racially insensitive, racist, whatever, a great thing to do is to say, what does that mean? Or why do you think that? Because I remember in Bree's example, someone had called something ghetto and she was like, what is ghetto? Like, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how would you describe that? Because then it forces people to, to think, to think about what they've said and to realize that it's not okay. And they probably have grown up in a culture and a society where saying that things are ghetto or ratchet or whatever are acceptable as a white person when really that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So it really forces people to think about what they've said and kind of reconcile with that fact. Cause like, how do you even respond to that? Exactly. Like, how do you respond? Well, you can't and, because you know, it's wrong. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about getting you all to think that's all. That's all we want to do. We want to provide you all resources, but we also at the end of, you know, the 45 minutes, the hour, we all, or we want you all to go out into the world and just think how you can make it a better place based off of the conversations that Brendy and I have as friends, as, you know, academic scholars, the people that we bring on to this podcast. We really just want to get you to think. And that's, at least that's my goal. I don't mean to say we as in speaking for both of us, but I think that that's my number one goal too, is for you all to start thinking critically about the things that you say, the things that you do, and then go out into the world and realize that every, not to be like cliche, but that everybody has the ability to make such a difference, whether that be in one person's life or 1 million people's lives. So I think that whenever people ask me the end goal of this podcast, that's what I would say is to provide resources, to get people to critically think and enact change where change needs to be enacted. All right, guys. Well, that is a wrap on today's episode. Um, I hope that you guys really enjoyed this kind of different style of Q&A that we did. And like I said, if you guys are interested in like an Instagram live or like something like that, where it's live and interactive, you guys can ask questions. Or if you wanted to do like something more casual, it doesn't necessarily have to be like around Black Lives Matter. It could be just about whatever, really. Just let us know because we would definitely love to do that. And one more thing to add before we wrap up today's episode is that we have mentioned Satoria Ray on this podcast before, but she is a teacher in Texas. She's a very good friend of mine. We went to UNC Charlotte together. We were on the same orientation counselor team. 
she has started a learning community dedicated to listening, reading, watching, all of these different forms of content, and then having conversations after them. A group me has been set up, you know, an email chain, whole nine yards. So if that is something that interests you, definitely Instagram DM us, text us if you have your our number. We have the email listed below always. Please let us know if you want to be involved in that. It would mean the world to, especially me, since Satoria is such a good friend of mine and is really one of those people. I highlighted her in February for Black History. You're going to know her. Like, it's just point blank period. You're going to know Satoria Ray. But it would really mean a lot to Brendy and I if you all would, you know, jump on the bandwagon and join this, join this learning community with us. It's summertime for a lot of people. You know, you're probably not in school or you're probably working from home. So what better of a way to dedicate yourself to education and learning than by joining this learning community where we could literally all do it together. I love that. Yeah. Make sure you guys join if you're interested. I mean, it's just a great opportunity to learn and dialogue with other people. So make sure you guys check it out. So if you guys aren't already following us on Instagram, make sure you do it at Not Your Average BS and request to join our Facebook group. We've been more active there. So definitely be on the lookout. We also have some really exciting content coming up our sleeves in the next few weeks. So make sure you guys are tuned in, following us on social media. Also, if you guys want to follow our personal Instagram. Shannon is at Shan underscore McGev. If you want to follow me, it's at Brendy.Alana and those will be linked below. They're also in our podcast Instagram bio. Make sure you guys are just following us so you guys can keep up with the resources. And until next time, that's the BS.